This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help, seek out a qualified medical services provider or other healthcare professional. Welcome to the Live Your Yoga podcast, a podcast dedicated to discovering and sharing all the ways in which yoga can be lived off the mat. Real stories by real people, just like you. Welcome to the Live Your Yoga podcast. My name is Mark, faculty member and teacher for Your Yoga Flow. Today, my guest on the podcast is Frankie Grausem. Frankie is a yoga teacher, a studio owner, musician, and student of Your Yoga Flow. We talked today about a couple of different things, one of them being the hot yoga style, what it's like to teach the hot yoga style, advice for people coming into their first yoga class, and just a little bit about the hot yoga culture in general. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Frankie and we'll dive in now. Hi Frankie, welcome to the Live Your Yoga podcast. Thank you for being here with us today. I wondered if you could start by just sharing a little bit about yourself, so sort of a few fun facts about who you are. Well, I'm originally from New York City, grew up in New York City, and uh, I still consider myself a New Yorker, even though I've been in Seattle for almost 30 years. <laughs> um, I play music, so I'm a musician, and I've been playing music for about 40 years. Um, and I love teaching and practicing yoga, as you could probably figure. And um, I'm married, and I have an adopted child from Guatemala, and that makes up our family of three and our two chihuahuas. Wow. That's that's great stuff. So I'd love to just touch on a couple of those things. First of all, what music? What What is your musical passion? So um, my mu- it's kind of like garage rock, punk garage rock uh, with pop melody, I guess. Um, and yeah, I've been playing that style for a really long time. Wow. And, and you're and you're still playing now. Yeah. I mean, uh, pre-COVID. Um, I started a new project. I I've been playing for so long and sort of with family life sort of got out of like, I'm going to be a rock star, you know, like that passed a while back. So it's now just really for pleasure, for fun. And I started a project with some of my son's, um, uh, schoolmates, fathers and a math teacher. So we have a, we, we were doing a project for the school, like to raise money. And then we, all loved each other so much and it was so much fun that we decided to stay a band. So, um, so that's my working band right now. Uh, and we recorded something right before COVID. So when COVID passes, then we'll be able to like play out and support it, you know? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Really fun. It's really fun. Really fun. And I guess the city you're in, in the world is a pretty good place for music. I've heard lots of great things about the music scene there. Yeah really supportive and uh so many musicians and um hopefully there'll be places to play after covid i mean i think things will pop up again yeah we need we need live music again that's going to be so important (laughs) for sure for sure and so that's quite a diverse background of music and 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 then coming to yoga so i just wonder how did you end up in the world of yoga what was it that brought you there 
Yeah. So it was on a dare. Um, I, <laughs> I was training to be a firefighter for, for about three years and was doing very intense workouts to get, to be able to pass the physical for, for the Seattle fire department. And a friend of mine was like, you got to try this, uh, Bikram style yoga. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to roll around on a mat and ohm. And like, I was just total New York city, like downplaying it, making fun of it. Um, and I really put my foot in my mouth because I went to the, I finally went to the class and, um, and I never turned back. I mean, it was the best thing I'd ever done. And I, yeah, I, I like hated it for two weeks, but loved it at the same time because it was so challenging. Um, yeah. And that, that, then I just fell in love, fell in love with it. I can definitely relate to that hating it, but loving it feeling. I think that's, that must be true for so many people. Cause I also felt something similar where my first few classes, I just couldn't believe that I was there and I just thought they were so frustrating, but it hooked me. It gets you something about it. I think your body, cra- like, I think your body craves it. Like, it's just your body, like it felt to me, like my body was like, I don't care what you think. We're going back. You know, um, I feel real. you know, my, it, my body felt really good, you know, sore in a nice way, but just, I don't know. It's like a rebirth or something. I don't know. But yeah, I just kept going and I never stopped. And so you stayed with the Bikram style for quite a while. I, I graduated training in 2000. So yeah, it's been like 21 years and I only had, had practiced like six months before I even went to the teacher training. So Amazing. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that many years. Yeah. And what was the training experience like? Yeah. So for me, um, I loved it. Like I loved every minute of it, even though it was like insane and, um, unorganized and the facilities were infested with ants and just like, (laughs) like all kinds of crazy. Um, I was in the third training, um, that Bikram held. So still relatively in, in the beginning. Um, but I loved every minute of it. I think um, I learned not only about the like practicing and teaching, but um, I really learned patience. Mm-hmm. And just because there were so many people and there was always lines and always people were so stressed out about all these different things. And I just really enjoyed learning about being patient and, and knowing that everything would be resolved at some point, you know, and, um, uh, and I also learned not to stress out. Like I, I, I remember specifically, like at home, I'd be so organized and put everything away and da 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 da. And after teacher training, I was just like coat over here, bag over there. <laughs> you know? It wasn't like a big deal anymore. Um, yeah, it's it was it was a really good experience for me. Everybody had different experiences, but of course. And were you still pre-COVID? Were you still practicing Bikram yoga or hot yoga? Yeah, I was actually, so I started to uh, take vinyasa um, pre-COVID for about a year. Um, The Bikram studios now or the hot yoga studios are a little bit further away from me. And so I wanted, um, because of my work schedule, I wanted to like find something that was like relatively close. And I wanted to um, go into trying other styles of yoga. Um, even though I was teaching once a week still, um, 
Bikram style, I wanted to just experience other styles. So that's sort of like a year before COVID is a year and a half before COVID is when I started diving into uh, vinyasa a little bit. And I also went to yoga, yoga Kara training for yin. Oh, like maybe four or five years ago with Andrea. Oh, wow. Oh, you were one of the, I think that was her first or second training, I think, or with us in, wow. Oh, so we went to the same, I also went to that same, if it's the same place, Pura Vida. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's such a great place. So that's, that's, uh, I didn't know that you had done the program with Andrea. That's so cool. She was great. It was completely different than Bikram training. I could imagine. Completely opposite. I I just, it, it was perfect yeah it's great and and so then so so then you also owned studios previously in the past too yeah i owned studios for 15 years yeah wow Mm -hmm. and what was that experience like coming into sort of the more managerial administrative role of uh, a yoga studio owner yeah it was really uh, it was really great for a while um when we first opened, we had one studio um, in Capitol Hill with area of Seattle, which is a really great area. And um, we were really successful. Um, it took about a year and then we were really, really successful. And it's just crazy, like 40 to 50 people a class and just really insane. And um, and so then we decided to open a second yoga studio in North Seattle Um And we opened that and that was really successful. But then 2008 hit. So the economy here in the States Mm. sort of took a dive. And that really started like sort of this like little bit of a downward spiral for us. Um, And then then there was like construction, like they were rebuilding uh, right around our studio on Capitol Hill and also in Shoreline. So nobody could access the studios by car anymore for like about two years so it was like one thing after another and so the stress of like keeping things going and you know paying our teachers and all that stuff just it just kind of got wacky um so after a while I was just like I just can't deal with this anymore (laughs) I prefer to just be a, I wanted to just be a student or run a studio, but not have all that financial stress, you know? Um, so I ended up selling my, my part. I think it's, I think it's so interesting to hear that because lots of people, especially sort of new teachers, they, they, you know, they might think that they want to own a studio, but it's very different owning a studio to, you know, running a studio, managing teachers as it is to, to, you know, showing up and teaching a couple of classes a week. Like it, you're dealing with customers. Like this is this whole other part of yoga that as a teacher, we don't get to experience unless we're in the seat of owner or manager. And, and it's, I, from what I've heard as well, it, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough business. Um, in some areas of the world, it can, there's a lot of competition. So, Totally. I mean, you have to sort of be in the right spot. Um, rent in Seattle is super high and uh, taxes are ridiculous. Like you have to pay tax on your sign, you know, like Whoa. if you have a sign or, or an A board, you have to pay tax on that. So like 
just there's a like you have to have a good business if you want your business to be successful you have to also have a really good business mind which we did but we had like these events sort of take place that we had no control of um and then also like i have a I had a business partner and who i love dearly but like you know, we also think opposite. So you have to be able to, you have to be able to figure out how to work with somebody else, um, uh, which was great, but also horrible at times. So, <laughs> so I think those are things that people don't think about. And like, um, like when you set up your contract to, like, I always tell people that, or teachers that are opening studios or going into business with somebody else. I'm like, make sure you have every single detail in a contract that you both sign. That's like, this is how many vacation days I get. And this is how many hours I want to work. And this is how many, because if usually yoga teachers are, you know, we're all like, sure, whatever, man, you know, whatever. <laughs> but then it like, it's like all of a sudden, if your business partner is like taking like 10 weeks vacation and you're taking one, like <laughs> things like the little details that seems ridiculous really are important to like iron all that stuff out, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But it was a great experience also because like building your own studio and then like, it was so heartwarming, like, at when we opened our first studio, like I helped build it out. So to know, like when people were putting their stuff in the cubbies, it's like, I mm. built those cubbies and, you know, I'd go and look at all the cubbies. They were all full. And I'm like, you know, I loved all that wood and, you know, all that kind of stuff was so like, it felt so satisfying, you know, wow. also. So um, it kind of like owning the business runs the gamut of like a good movie. You know, you laugh, you cry, you get angry, you love, you know, <laughs> all those things. <laughs> Were you teaching at the same time as? as oh, as, yeah. 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 I taught um, eight to ten classes a week. Wow. And they were they were hot style Bikram classes. Uh, all hot, yeah, all Bikram. How did you find how did you find that teaching that many classes? Um, it was really great for, um, I would say like 10 years, like it felt really like there's always stuff to learn and each class, even though we're saying like basically the same thing, it's really, really different depending on who the students are in the room. Um, and I really, I mean, I just love it. I love teaching Bikram yoga. I just love it. Um, uh, and I loved knowing my students so much, you know, I've know, knew them over the time. I mean, I still have students. I just taught like a week ago, I filled in and I have a student who's 77 now who started when he was 57. And um, wow. he's been with us for those 20 years, you know, like we have students from that long ago. Um, and I hadn't taught there in a while. It's just like so heartwarming to see like students that have been there for so long at the sweat box. And, um, yeah, so I really loved it. And then by year 15, I was like, totally burnt out. Like, I don't care if somebody locks their knee. I don't care. You know, but in my head, I'm like saying all these things and acting and I felt passionate, but it's time for me to step back. You know, I need to take a break from this, you know, so I just um, took about a year break where I didn't teach at all. Um and only practice yoga. Like I just wanted to be a student and I started to go to studios, um, vinyasa studios that nobody knew who I was. I didn't want anybody to know. 
that I was a yoga teacher, that I had two studios in the past because of all the Bikram studios, they all, everybody knows who I am. So I was like, I want to go undercover. I want to just be a student with no like pressure about anything. And that's how I really began practicing vinyasa. That's so it's so interesting. Like you bring up a lot of really important points. One of them about like yoga teacher burnout and how after, you know, and, and everybody's sort of uh, threshold is different. But after a while, you can start to sort of I, I don't want to say you, you lose your love for teaching, but it becomes a little bit more of a chore, I guess, or the, like the passion's just not there, the same drive. And that I think what's fascinating is that you you took time off like that's a really that's a challenging thing for people to do sometimes and to really step back. Um, and also, I love that the uh, I used to never practice at the studios that I taught at for the same reason that you mentioned, being that I just wanted to be anonymous. I didn't as much as I loved, you know, the community of the studio I was in and I loved the students. I felt always like a teacher and I missed feeling like there's something so wonderful about being a student. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I agree. Like just being, yeah. And that same thing. It's like, I love the community at, at the studios that I work at, but like, I did not care about the community when I went into another studio. I mean, I was kind to everybody, but like, I really didn't want to like sit and have a conversation with a bunch of people. And, um, you know, just because I feel like as a yoga teacher, you can really easily get stretched like in mm-hmm. so many, you know, and you're always giving, like always, always giving, which is wonderful. And I, that's who I am and I love it. But after a while, you know, sometimes you're just like, I just can't anymore. Like I have nothing else to give and I need to like re-energize and re like fill my cup before I can like give to that many people, you know, all the time again or something like that. You know, it's a very, uh, I always told my yoga teachers, uh, especially ones that taught like 10 classes a week, like I did that, like, you have to take time for yourself. Like you have to step away, like even for a day, like go in the woods, fill up your cup, you know, because it, it really can get, uh, exhausting just by how much we give. Right. And also you could be a yoga teacher that doesn't do that. Like you can be just like straight up yoga teacher and you're not, but, uh, you know, and that might be beneficial for in a way for some people, but, um, yeah, teacher burnout is, it can be real after a really long time. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'm just rambling right now. Oh, no, I love it. It's so, it's so like, I think that what's fascinating though, is that, you know, especially if you're a newer teacher, you you don't always hear these kind of things or you you know like you don't often have a lot of in a a yoga studio there's not generally a lot of crossover between teachers or like a you know you might see them you know as you go to your class and they're finishing the class they're teaching but it's so nice to have you know real conversations about what it's actually like you know in in the arena of of yoga teaching and how these as much as we love it it can lead to burnout and it can be challenging at times and understanding how other people deal with those times can be so inspiring for ourselves yeah yeah and also like I don't want to give like for newer teachers I don't want to give an impression like 
you know, like it's a bad experience at all. Like it's a wonderful, amazing experience, but also be take care of yourself in that experience, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, would be what I would want to say. And most people do, you know, most, most people find that, that, um, that, and I think when you're a studio owner and a teacher, there's like extra burnout that can happen because, um, you know, you're also dealing with the students, not only when you're teaching, but like when they call you up or, you know, you, you know, there's just a lot, there's a lot more to it when you're also on the, like, Hey, we need your money and (laughs) (laughs) you got to pay for your 10,000 waters that you keep taking or (laughs) things like that, (laughs) you know? (laughs) No, it's true. Yeah. There's, there's probably so much more to think about. Um, when you do have the both both roles in in your hands, <laughs> um, uh, so I think another interesting thing that I'd love to hear about is how um, and maybe there's no difference, but perhaps there might be the difference you find between teaching heated classes and non heated classes. Yeah, so I've never taught a vinyasa non heat. I mean, I've never taught a vinyasa class yet lives um to people but with the yin um you know i i don't have any problem with the heat so it's not um i think if i was teaching three classes i couldn't teach three classes in a row um i I, the heat sort of motivates me it's really really weird but i just I, it just feels so good on my body and i hate heat but i love it in a yoga room um <laughs> uh so i don't know um with this two style i mean i i love teaching yin also like in terms of it's like the opposite of, of a bikram class um there's so much more space to not talk and just to to breathe and um let people do their thing, you know, without, uh, direction. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. No, that's, that's totally cool. Um, it's funny as you, as you were saying that I, I used to teach hot yoga for like a long, long time. And because of COVID it's the first time I've, because all the studios are closed here. Um, so I've not been in a hot room all winter and I noticed such a difference. Like I, I didn't realize how much I loved just standing in the hot room in, especially in the cold winter days. And then you step out after you've taught and you have this sort of warm glow in your body and joints feel better. And yeah, it's such a, it's such a nice, a nice practice and a nice thing for me and for my constitution to do for my body, especially in certain times of the year, I find it so valuable. So it's been really hard here with them all being closed. It's great they're open there. I didn't realize that you guys were were, were back to live teaching. Yeah, it's um, like it started with just five students in the room and now it's up to 10. And then it just as of Monday, where are we? Wednesday, Monday, uh, I think our the Sweatbox, uh, the Capitol Hill studio where, where I fell in, um, we're now allowed to do 18 people nice. no and everybody's masked so that's been really challenging because when i did fill in i don't know if this was legal but i wore a shield but i could not teach with a mask on right you know you're just constantly talking and it just um one i don't think people could hear me very well and two it just 
I couldn't get a good breath, you know, with the, that mask on. So I just taught with a shield on. But um, but people are practicing with masks on. Wow. Which, like, that is amazing to me, you know, in the heat. Yeah. And we're not that keeping is. it as hot, you know, like I open the door a lot, you know, I get a lot more air in there, but still. Yeah. That's great. Um, oh, so what advice would you give someone who's interested in trying hot yoga for the first time? Yeah. So my biggest advice is to have no expectations and um, to be really kind to yourself. Cause I find that people that practice this style are like a personalities, you know, and they want perfection and they're like, gah, 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 you know, and they have to be the best. And, um, and, you know, to, to just walk in the room and even if you just lay there the whole time, and just get used to the heat on your body, that is a great first day, you know? Um, so I wouldn't say to have any expectations and um, be, I always say less is more, like do less. And if you feel like you're at all challenged, like just, you know, I explained that, that we do two sets of everything, like just do one set and sit down. Um, I try to, I try to, I'm a super mom. Like I mom, like when I have new students that are, you could tell that they're nervous. I like over mom them, you know, and so that they actually do a little bit, end up doing a little bit more than I tell them to. And they feel really good about what they've done, <laughs> you know? Um, but I always, you know, p- people usually come in and I'm sure you hear this all the time. It's like, well, I'm not flexible. I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm like, you know, well, that's why you're here. And, um, just take your time, you know? Um, and I, I like, no, you could explain to people that it's hot, but you don't, people don't get it until they're actually in the room. So, um, uh, so that's always a surprise. It's for people. I love it when they, they walk in and they walk out and they go, Oh, it is hot in there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah. So I would just say if you're a new student to do, to just plan on no expectations and be kind to yourself and know that less is more and you have your whole life to, to practice, you know, everything, you're not going to learn everything in one day, you know? So, um, and drink lots of water and come in on an empty stomach. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Well, that's, that's all good. That's all good advice. Two follow-up questions about that. The first one is, um, I think there's sort of a, and maybe there's a stereotype that people have in their minds about sort of hot yoga styles that they're quite militant and strict. And that might be from, um, you know, maybe from things that have happened in the past or something they've heard through the grapevine of this is how it goes. But I think the what's really lovely is that the first thing you said when offering advice is like, listen to your body, be kind to yourself. So I wonder, um, do you think there's been... Is there sort of a misconception out there about this hot style or has it evolved over the last little while? I just wondered it, uh, your take on this. So I think like it can sound really, it really depends on who's your teacher, um, but it can sound really militant. It can sound that way. Um, and so, so sometimes when I'm teaching, when I go into a class and there's a, a bunch of newer students, I say, I, uh, I say my, my role is to guide this whole class and 
um, I might sound like a coach at times because I'm, I'm just trying to keep everybody going or, you know, just keeping the room going. But like, honestly, you are your own teacher and it might sound like I'm specifically talking to you, but I'm not like I'm, I'm mm. the whole class. So I think it's a very interesting way to teach the Bikram style. Like, um, because there's positive, it depends on the military. Like if you're being a militant teacher, but you're without any room for people to, lay down or like take care of themselves or then that's strictly you being an egotistical not you but like the teacher being an egotistical teacher but if you're mm -hmm. teaching in a way that it's just like you know you know stretch your left arm up and, da -da -da -da, and it's like very directional um there's a benefit with that because your mind like when you're a student if you're thinking about the direction you're like the idea is to get your mind out of yourself right you're like mm -hmm. taking the person's like wanting to have them not to think about like how hard like making dinner is going to be that night or whatever there is so you're like it's kind of part of that moving meditation where you're just like following the words and you're really connected and part of the way you stay connected is to that teacher's voice so if they have the right voice with the right it's really like, like I could probably write a paper on why this style, it can be effective for people, you know? <laughs> um, so, but if the teacher is being really militant and like, like, you know, don't go to the bathroom and blah, 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 blah. Like, um, that's not okay. You know? So there's like, you, if you can use that style in a really kind way, it, right? It, it's, it's hard to say like, yeah. So, um, like my my students like i'm always surprised that my students are, are always like oh no frankie's teaching this is gonna be so hard <laughs> but they know how much i love them you know and they know like i would never force anybody to do anything and i'm always like you know take a break please lie down you know if you're feeling if you see butterflies lay down and you know i always encourage that i always encourage the breaks you know for people so yeah, it's a really interesting way to teach. Like, I really love following that because I personally, like, when I practice, this is where I got really confused with vinyasa and why one of the reasons why I took the training is like, I like to take a class where, where I don't, I don't want to have to ever look at the teacher. Like, I want to know, I want to hear what I have to do through the, the direction. Do you know what I mean? So with mm -hmm. the Bikram style, it's really nice because it's so, it's so, you know, precise on what to do that the students never have to see you doing it. And so with Vinyasa, with, depending on who the teacher is, like, I really like where the direction is so clear that I don't ever have to look up and go, what, what are they, what are they talking about? You know? <laughs> so, um, and that's why I love this, uh, training because you, you guys are great teachers and, um, the, the classes have really helped me understand the postures a lot better than when I just went off to a vinyasa class and, or a flow class and everything moves so fast that I'm just like, what? You know, so anyway, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm again rambling, but no, I think that's yeah, I, I love what you're saying about the like the 
the amount of direction and the cues being like a source of sort of focus for the mind because yeah I was just I was thinking then how how helpful I find that especially as a teacher because I can get over analytical about what's happening in a class if I'm a student but when I am given a lot of direction and I just you know give in and follow it it does turn into a different type of practice so I could I can see yeah like how helpful that is when you when you sort of frame something that way and you're doing it with compassion how how helpful and and wonderful that is for students because it's another opportunity to not be in the monkey mind yeah yeah and 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 because it's repetition like it's the same every time you go to a, that style of class um it really becomes this beautiful like movement of you really can just get out of thinking like about okay what's next like where are we going next and you know where you can just do your thing and it becomes this really amazing form of meditation i find i love it that's so cool so my 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 other question or i guess just if you wanted to touch on it and you don't have to but i was just wondering about like if you've had any difficulties with sort of the the things around bikram lately you know in terms of like practicing or but you don't have to talk about it i was just curious no i don't mind i'm i'm i am like I am a really gullible person. So like, like even like the whole OJ Simpson and the Michael Jackson and Bill Cosby, I'm always like, Oh no, they didn't, you know, like, cause I'm just like, there's just no way like people can do these things, you know? And so with Bikram, I was really, um, like when I, my experience, when I went to training, um, like I, f- I consider Bikram like the Eddie Murphy of yoga teachers. Like I think he's freaking hilarious because I never take <laughs> him seriously. Like I just never took any of the craziness seriously. Like I just thought it was funny. Um, and his teaching is amazing. Like when he, when you take a Bikram class from Bikram, it's amazing. Like his yoga mm. is amazing, but all the other stuff is just wackadoo. And I just. <laughs> I just found it hilariously funny. Um, But the fact that it actually hurt people, like he actually hurt people, like it really breaks my heart, you know, because Mm -hmm. I really like I when we opened the studios, like when we when we left training, we I never signed had to sign anything that said like, um, you know, I'm part of a franchise or I will do it this way. Like we my training was sort of grandfathered in that we could do whatever we wanted, you know? Um, but, uh, um, but I did commit, like, like he did say, like, if you open a Bikram yoga studio, teach only Bikram yoga, like don't mix it up. So because I agreed to that in my heart, when we, one of the, you know, one of the reasons why I did sell out as my business partner wanted to add other yogas, which is great. And I love that, but I couldn't physically do that because I had Mm. made this like commitment to this bad business, like minded person. But I still (laughs) like, it's like, once I come in, I commit, I'm all in, you know? (laughs) And so I was really glad to get out of the business. And then like Nate bought it and my business partner kept Sweatbox for a long time and they brought other styles in. And I, love that but Mm. I I couldn't do it you know but so with Bikram it's really sad because he's gotten even it just 
worse and worse each year, just more crazy and more just like insane and like believing it's kind of like our stupid president, old president Trump. It's like they start to believe what they're saying when it's not even true. You know, it's just like this Mm -hmm. craziness. So um, what I tell people when they ask me is like, I'm like the yoga itself is amazing. And really Bishnu Ghosh, who is Bikram's guru really came up with these, with this, um, 26 and, and two, you know, the breathe, the, the, so like if, if it can help think of it as beach yoga and not Bikram yoga. And because the yoga itself and the sequence is amazing. So don't stop doing it. And, um, you know, and then never pay attention to Bikram at all, you know, just, um, so that's what I try to tell people, you know, no, oh, that's great. And, and you know, there's so many lineages, lineages of yoga that there's issues with now, you know, that things have come to light that have happened in the past. So it's, it's a really interesting time where we we get to look at, you know, things that have happened and then the practice we have now and how it evolved. And it's complicated and tricky. But I love I love um, how you share your your own sort of uh, journey through that. That's really that's really helpful. Oh, good. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're currently, oh, you talked a little bit already about um, being a student again. And and I, and I you said you're sort of motivated by wanting to learn a little bit more about vinyasa. Uh, are you planning to, to then in the future teach more vinyasa classes or... May, and and so starting with the, this program that I'm in with you guys, like what I'm really loving is the Hatha. Like, mm-hmm. cause, I mean, Bikram is actually Hatha style, I guess. It was Bikram yeah, method yeah. Hatha yoga, right? I guess all all yoga. But I, I'm really <laughs> enjoying the Hatha. Like, I'm really enjoying that. Um, like, I love it. Like, love the slow and holding. And I just find so much value so i think that's where i would tend to go um just teaching straight up hafa and um and now i'm starting that pre the prenatal as well which is because i didn't have my own child i adopted so um i'm finding all of it so fascinating and um and maybe doing some of that as well you know uh bringing that to the sweat box because we don't have um Franny doesn't have a prenatal yoga teacher or classes right now. So maybe that, you know, I would love to do something different than just teaching the Bikram style. So we'll see. That's amazing. And then we, I like that we'd love to ask everybody this. Um, and you basically answered it through the podcast, but it's helpful just to sort of summarize it. And the question is, how do you live your yoga? So sort of your daily practices or something, you know, that daily, uh, is a a yoga practice in your life? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I mean, I think just trying to be as best I can, um, kind to everybody, like kindness to me is a big deal because, um, I feel like people in Victoria are really kind, but like in Seattle, it's, it's especially, uh, yeah, I mean, people, a lot of people are so rude, you know? Um, so (laughs) I think just being kind to each other and, uh, I try to bring that to, to, um, I also, for, for money, I, I bartend and, and, uh, work in a restaurant bar. And, um, 
so that's also very giving because you're talking to people and giving, giving, giving. But like, I, I try to be so kind to people, um, especially if they're having a hard day or, or whatever, you know? Um, and, and what else, and also just movement, like the physical part of yoga, like even if I don't have time to do a class, uh, to take my own class, um, or to practice stretching, like movement is so important to me. Like, uh, I think so many people would be feel so much be so much more healthy and live longer if they just like stretched for 15 minutes a day, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that, and, um, I don't know if that's living your yoga, but, um, I try to share that with people too. I'm like, if you would just do this like a few times a day, you'd feel so good, you know? It absolutely sounds like living your yoga because it's however, however makes sense for you. And I love that it's so interesting when we ask this question to people that, you know, the answer isn't always their first answer isn't always, you know, like it's a yoga practice, but it's the way that they act in the world. Like you're saying, like with kindness and which I think for many of us, we learn that through yoga, but it, but it's the, it's, it's sometimes it's other, like the other than movement practices that are the things that we hold most dear, which is wonderful for the people around us. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Frankie, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing a little bit about your life, your practices and uh, your journey in this wonderful world of yoga so far. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. <laughs>